when every rapper and a producer are able to come together for a full-length studio album, or even just a mixtape at that, it's always very interesting to observe and listen to the project. Because, you know, you might find the rapper go into a mode where he's putting together a studio album or a mixtape, and you find 15 different producers on the track list, and you like to see how that matches up. Or let's say you get one producer compiling an entire track list together of all kinds of different artists, let's say like a Dr. Dre or a DJ Khaled to be more modern. But whenever there's that moment where one producer and one artist come together, it's always magic because the focus and the chemistry is always at an all-time high. Usually it ends up becoming an album of the year contender, like example in 2019 with something like a bandana, and usually you get these legendary moments. So in today's episode, guys, Lou and I are going to be going through some of the best rapper slash producer collab albums, and I think Lou may have like one or two mixtapes on there if I'm not mistaken, but for the most part, these are great recommendations, and for myself, at least I could speak from my recommendations, a lot of this stuff might be underground or some older projects that you guys might not be familiar with, and honestly, these are some of my favorite types of projects to go through. Absolutely, just because like you were saying, we always get quality because you get this shared vision from the artist and the producer but before we do get started, guys, make sure to give us five stars. Leave us a kind review if you're enjoying the audio experience. But yeah, listen, when talking about this, I really try to dig for some more underground, some lesser known or less talked about projects that I feel like do deserve more recognition, more praise, because I could have easily put together Pusha T and Kanye for Daytona or Jay-Z and No ID for 444. But we've spoken about those projects and we know how great they are. So just to say the recommendations that I brought in aren't necessarily the best of the best when I think of rapper producer albums. But these are the ones that I feel like more people should be listening to. Let me ask you a question. Um, think about your favorite rappers and think about your favorite producers. Do you find most of the time they work best when they're able to single in with one producer or one rapper? How do you feel about that type of conversation? Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, I feel like even looking at the runs that Alchemist or Madlib have gone on when it comes to them honing in with just one rapper, we see that the results are insane. Even looking at a more mainstream artist like a Drake, for example, one of his best bodies of work is If You're Reading This, It's Too Late. And that was boy wonder at the helm of everything so i think it, ma it makes the artist be in a more creative and focused zone because the soundscape belongs to one era one time span most of the time and you know? also i think you know i believe jay-z was speaking about this when he was working with no idea on 444 just to like how no idea was almost like a mentor and a guidance to him while creating the track list. I feel like at certain points you might get an unfocused track list when it comes to even writing or performances when there's not someone in your corner directing you. So example, if you look at a lot of the old Eminem material, a lot of it was strictly Eminem, the Bass Brothers, and then Dr. Dre and Millman. You know, he really had a limited amount of producers working with him, or it was all executive production by Dr. Dre, because the, maybe the more opinions you get into the room at that point, it jades the vision of the project, or it doesn't make it feel like a complete listen at that. So let me ask you, okay, so... Maybe out of artists that we've gotten in 2023 or people that are on the come up, you know, name me a rapper and producer duo that hasn't happened yet, but that you'd like to see a full-blown okay, studio I, from. I, I was thinking about bringing this conversation towards the end, but fuck it, let's have it now. Um, obviously, there's the J. Cole and the Alchemist conversation that we've yeah, had, especially after Johnny P's Caddy. We know the wonders that that could bring about. Um, apart from that, who else would make for an amazing rapper-producer link-up? Um... Hmm, very interesting. I would maybe say 
Polo G and Metro Boomin. I feel like Metro is someone that could really revive a lot of artists that are in that trap lane that seem to not really be pushing their limits creatively or really going towards the best beat selection. So Metro Boomin's like the default answer for almost every trap rapper that isn't really, you know, in their peak form right now, I would say. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, maybe Benny X and Baby Keem for me. Benny X and Baby Keem, Two yeah. Two very versatile artists when it comes to their craftsmanships. I mean, you see what type of productions Benny X could attack while also being able to work with so many different artists. And I feel like when you have an artist as unpredictable as Baby Keem, you need someone that's versatile, right? You need someone that's going to be able to cater to so many different things. But I think the biggest one I want to see is a full Boy Wonder and Drake production, like full across the board again for like a mm. good 16 tracks, just seeing like what they could do together again. Even after now, it's going to be 10 years in 2025. Yeah, it's going to be a full 10 years since If You're Reading This, It's Too Late came out. And maybe not like every single production has to be Boy Wanda, but just, hey, some executive production yeah. could be nice. I'm also still waiting for that Boldy James over all those Jay Dilla beats. Not the same type of rapper-producer collab where like Jay Dilla's actively making these beats fresh, of course, rest his soul. But um, yeah, that's another one that comes to mind. And who else would I say? I don't know, just because a lot of the names that come up, the best of the best, Kendrick and Madlib, that's another one, right? Yeah, who knows the the stash that they have together. That was actually a super chat that we received in last week's live stream. But Lou, without further ado, let's get into this. Do you want to go first? Or I'll, I'll go, go first. first with this one. So okay. I have a Ghetto Christmas Carol by XXXTentacion. Um, with Ronnie J at the helm of the executive production, and if you, it's not actually listed with both of their names if you go on the project, but Ronnie J has credits all throughout, and this is a little five-song project, more of an EP than anything else, but I just feel like when people talk about X, they sort of ignore this project. They act like it doesn't even exist, and what's cool about this listen is that you can, it's so accessible. You can go through it in literally nine minutes. That's how long it is, um, and yeah, I was just shocked by like, for how popular X is as being one of the most streamed artists right now, this never gets put into the conversation. And I'm not saying that it's a flawless piece of art, but you do have some of X's most interesting songs on here. And what's cool too is the fact that it is Christmas themed. And even though X doesn't fully commit to that, you'll see on the artwork you have him rocking the Santa hat. Yeah. And you'll see on the intro, which is self-titled, The Ghetto Christmas Carol, he's singing about like the city lights and ice. Well, the ice on his body, which again is sort of a metaphor also for um, the ice on the streets because it's wintertime. Um, and what's cool about that song, the intro, is the fact that it feels like a carol in the sense that you have a super catchy chorus that you could easily sing along to, mm -hmm. just like a Christmas carol. Um, and it's a song that has him singing on the, on the chorus and then him rapping with two fiery hot flows for his verse. And it just shows his duality as an artist in full display. Then you go into the second song, another highlight for me, which is called Hate Will Never Win. And this is interesting because X and Ronnie J took an old Jay Dilla beat, flipped it a certain way, and they even sampled Donald Trump, um, mm -hmm. a Donald Trump speech that gets really cleverly implemented into the track as X is rapping about um, the charges that he's facing and how they're all made, comprised and made up of lies. And it's sort of... X going into this conscious bag and that was really a highlight for me because I was like holy shit like X could have maybe been more of a conscious rapper if he wanted to be and that song was proof so again five song EP you're getting a variety of styles from X on a song like Up Like an Insomniac you're getting more of that screamo high tempo aggressive X but it's just 
it's more proof that X was really this all-around, all-encompassing artist that could have went anywhere that he wanted to. And um, Ronnie J really adds this aggressive, distorted bass, SoundCloud type of aesthetic that's dirty and uncut for X's raw vocals. And um, they have always been a great pair. Even if you look at the members-only work they did together um, as a group, it's just it's always been uh, a delight to listen to their pairing. Been a long time since I visited that. I will tell you that. I'm telling you, bro. People have forgotten it even exists. So okay, so if there's only five songs, the average runtime on there of a song might be like a minute and forty five seconds, exactly. probably. Oh, that's very interesting. And like, how's the mix on it? I'm sure it's very dirty. It's and pretty. Very raw. It, it's pretty dirty and raw. Like besides that Jay Dilla beat that I was talking about, which is pretty. Uh, that's pretty, pretty cool. clean. And how's the sequencing on the project? Um, the sequencing, it's it not kind of just great. like thrown together type vibe. It's, yeah. it's more loose. It's raw. It's, it, and again, it doesn't focus too much on that Christmas theme. But there's an understanding between X and Ronnie J and the type of music they want to make. And I One think last that's question important. for you on the project: Was it released during Christmas? I don't know, actually. That's a good check question. The, Let's check see. what's going on there. Because imagine like, they just drop a Christmas album in the middle of July. Yeah, man. I mean, probably. Would it make sense? That, I think that would be my guess. Let's see when this came out. This came out, no, December 11th, right around that Christmas yeah. time. That's fair. Nice holiday album from Ronnie G and XXX. Fuck yeah. Um, okay, thank you for the recommendation. But let me continue going on with this, okay? So most people who are in the hip-hop Twitter community or have been following the podcast know that Lou and I have referenced this project on a couple of different occasions, and Lou has brought in a Nick Craven project um, once before on this Recommendations podcast. So, and once again today. Yes. So, I oh, you brought another one. I brought another one, yeah. Oh, man. I've Nick just put on a, on a Nick, Nick Craven, Craven binge. Yeah, and Nick Craven season, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's always nice to put on a fellow Montreal brother and, um, you know, just kind of highlight what he's done, especially for the hip-hop industry. Because often when you speak about Montreal, it's always a delight to be able to see someone break into the hip-hop community, not only within Montreal or Quebec or in Canada, but into the general U.S. And you've kind of explained what Nick Craven kind of does in a previous audio podcast, but just to kind of build upon that, I do feel like Nick Craven is one of the best sample flippers in the genre at the moment, if not the best, if I'm being completely honest with you. Over an Uncle Al and some other heavy hitters, like I, I think an Apollo I, Brown? What I, well, I think he's in that category. Okay. I, I yeah, think he's fair. able to play amongst those guys. I'm sorry. You know, the types of... I have never heard a bad Nick Craven beat. I have never heard a bad sample flip. I am being completely honest with you. Yeah. And, um, you know, his OMO is, you know, no, no sample snitching and no getting into it. So I don't want to name any names when I get into the samples on Fair Exchange, no robbery with him and Boldy James. But you guys have to go into a deep dive of this project. It is luxurious. It is gorgeous. And a little funny Easter egg for you guys. If you pay attention to the album artwork of this project, a little bit of Quebec heritage here. Um, it's an OG Cabana Cirque, um, like branding, that if you were to buy the cans of maple syrup from Cabana Cirque, you guys would be able to see that it actually matches the packaging. So right off the bat, I knew we were getting a classic based on that. I think Fajet actually has the vinyl. Actually, I think we have the vinyl somewhere in here, by the way. I would love to put that up. Uh, bro, yeah, we, sure. I think we have to put that up. I would love to point. put that up. Um, it's, by the way, it's not only from Cabana Sucre, which for anyone that doesn't know, those are like sort of the farms that we have here. Um, where they do they sell those in Ontario as well? I think it might be only Montreal, but I know you, my, my point is you can find them in grocery stores too. Yes, yes, yes. No, you can. Yeah. But I'm just saying is that it originates from Cabana Circle. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, because I don't think you could find this in Ontario. Maybe or not. Yeah. Listen, if anyone that's watching from, let's say, Canada, listen, we're you know we're Canadian when we're talking about maple syrup. Let's see on maple a, syrup cans. Uh, yeah, no, because you can't. You could only buy like the selection ones, or like this is the OG type of shit. When you wake up in the morning and you want to get it done, this is what you're going to get. 
Walmart's Canada, product of Canada, pure maple syrup. Here it is. Oh, there we go. So I, I think I think it is nationwide, but regardless, it's still a cool piece of history. It is a cool piece of history. But regardless, let me talk about this project and enough with the maple syrup. When you go through this track list, you're getting these incredible, luxurious um, sample flips from like 1970 Soul and, you know, these gorgeous um, funk sort of twists. And you're just getting Boldy James in his bag throughout the entire project. There's not necessarily something predominant to the thematic basis of the writing on the project and i don't think that was really the focus but it's just street talk and luxury and mogul talk put together with these beautiful sample flips um only nine uh, sorry 10 songs as a whole my favorite songs on the album are straight and tall yes. and stuck in traffic um those are probably my favorite on the entire project designer and, drugs as well yes that's it's another amazing. fantastic song but guys it is an absolute treat to listen to this as a hip-hop fan it'll take you back to a time where hip-hop was a lot more appreciated maybe where the craft was really at its focal point in the 90s and this is just an example of you know people that are really taking the craft and bringing it to the highest of its capabilities i really do feel that way about nick craven and boldy james and that's why you know lou recommended another um nick craven project last audio episode he's going to bring in another one for this one because whenever he's able to lock in with only one rapper it just becomes absolutely dangerous it becomes you know, so focused, so concise, and just an incredible listen from start to finish. And it's not an overbearing listen. It's only 10 songs. I think it clocks in at just under 45 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Would you be able to check that? 36 one? minutes. There we go. So yeah, it's yeah. around that, it's around that like 35 to 40 minute mark, more or less. And you guys are going to have fun with it. So enjoy that for me. Yeah. And, and he's really um, simply becoming um, one of my favorite producers right now. That's why I've just been on this binge of listening to him is just like you said, just one of the best samplers out there. Some make some of the best car music I've ever heard too. Yeah. The mixing is just so incredible on the tracks, and like there's these complex sample loops that you're just like, whoa! Like it's probably so simple for him, right? Like he takes mm. his machine, he goes to work, he does what he has to do, right? But as a listener, you're always left in awe because he's making these beautiful portraits through the sampling, and that's just what I love about hip hop. It's one of my favorite subgenres of hip hop, especially for like jazz and soul rap. So being able to see that implemented in 2023 without any drums, by the way, is absolutely yeah. incredible. And I'm going to get to my, to my Craven project a bit later, but um, it was interesting because I saw like he put out a tweet sort of explaining how he got his big break. And it was essentially him working with an artist from Rochester, New York, that goes by the name of ETO. And they made a collab tape together called Valenti and Rizzuto. And that's what led um, Ransom to finding him was through that project. And it's interesting because if you go through the artwork of that project, um, it's actually like the artwork itself is taken from a crime scene oh, that happened in Montreal. V very interesting um, history behind, history okay, behind you know, it within why, the city. Why don't you just too. go to Nick Craven's project? Now. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I might as well go to the Craven yeah, go, project go to the Craven that I have. Project. So this is Ransom and Nick Craven and... Um, listen, these guys are musical partners, two guys that have multiple projects under their belts together. They go together like cake and coffee. And this is really like his collaboration with Ransom um, is really what solidified him as someone to watch within the hip hop world. And I've been following, you know, what they've been doing since 2020. It's been a good three years that I've been following every release. And this is deleted scenes, too. They did their OG one, which some of you guys may remember. It had like the Pulp Fiction inspired cover. Yes. All the song titles named after different movies. And this, again, takes inspiration from that. Um, you have different song titles named after classic films. The artwork is like Jack Nicholson. Um, it's like a drawing of him 
from his The Shining character, which is really cool, super artsy. From like that iconic scene of his with his eye through the through the. No, frame. it's not it that like? one. It's him sitting down. I think writing here. You could see it right here. Um, no, he's actually he's touching um, some film. Look at that. Oh, I see. Really nice, though. Anyway, so I this see, is I another see. EP, guys. Five songs. Um, and this is a sequel, like I said, to that deleted scenes, the first one that came out. And at the end of the day, it's just... It's classic hip-hop production. You're getting some of the most crisp vocal samples that I've ever heard. You're getting some movie samples at the end of certain tracks to add that cinematic value. Um, the intro track is one that I absolutely love. It's called American Made. Um, nice gu bass guitar plucks that give you this joyous... Um, victorious feeling and then you have ransom coming in remo removing the beauty from the beat which i absolutely love it sort of pl plays in contrast coming in with these hardcore killer lines like for example never patient in school i sold yay with some dedication college dropout in a school of hard knocks with late registration now i wonder why so i know in school i sold yay yeah yay coke kanye College dropout in a school full of hard knocks with late registration. Two album titles. Now I wonder why. I wonder the Kanye song off graduation. That's what I love for what Ransom does poetically is that he's always throwing you these Easter eggs that relate to hip-hop culture, movie culture, like he does often in the series. So right up your alley. Right up my alley without a doubt. Other songs on here like Arrival are incredible. Lines like, look, look they ain't support your flight. Shouldn't mean they stop you from soaring just because they boo LeBron. That don't mean they blocking him from scoring. Just, guys, next level poetry. I think that Ransom is one of the best rappers in the game. And um, I don't think he'll ever get the recognition he deserves because he's put in way enough work to get that praise. But he's still never in those conversations. But the hip-hop community knows. The hip-hop community knows. The real heads I, I, know. At this point. And I'm going to keep doing my due diligence to put you guys on to one of the best rappers in the game and one of the best producers in the game. And um, like I said, short five-song EP, 14 minutes is how long it runs Very you. Very nice. Um, and yes, just some classic drug poetry with some of the slickest production, easy on the ear. And that's really that for uh, for deleted scenes too. Shout out to all the Montreal producers out there. You yeah. Know, you guys are doing fantastic stuff. It's an honor to be able to be amongst you guys in the music scene. And um, we hope to see producers like Nick Craven continue to further their craft and continue to build out these beautiful projects. I, I saw him in a room with, with Uncle Al. I want to see that link up. I want to see them cook together. Uh, for imagine the sample flipping that you probably man. see live right in front of you. But okay, let me go on to my next recommendation. And I've spoken about Gangstar before, right? Mm -hmm. And I think whenever DJ Premier links up with an artist um, and hones in with one artist, it's just magic. It is absolute bliss from start to finish, um, whether it's the classy, jazzy samples, whether it's, you know, the disc scratching, you know, bringing that feeling of 90s boom bap hip hop to the front. There's no one that does it like DJ Premier, for, you know, in my opinion. Now, what's interesting is that I actually didn't bring in a Gangstar album into this conversation. I brought in something different, and this is The Sun Rises in the East by Jeru the Damager. This is, you, this is what you sent me before, right? Yes, it is. Absolutely. You, and made, okay, you made a bold claim there, my friend. It is wow. one of the best New York hip-hop albums I have ever heard, without a doubt. It is actually credit, like, credited by critics, especially back in the 90s, as reviving New York hip-hop alongside Ready to Die. What year did it come out? 1994. So it's right in the midst of that whole revival for New York hip-hop. And you're going to hear DJ Premier outside of, let's say, the gangstar element that you might know him for. 
um, let's say with songs um, like Mass Appeal or Above the Clouds, for example. So let me go with the, the Sun Rises in the East, a beautiful 13 song project. It even has like that classic number mm. for the track list and so many fantastic songs on here, um, like Mental Stamina that has this incredible um, jazz loop that goes off in back of it. Um, Brooklyn took it. Um, you even have skits on here. There's just everything you want out of it. And if I could kind of like, I mean, say Jeru is similar to someone, if in my opinion at least, it's kind of like a guru to be exact with you. Like really? very yes, v very punctual with his rhymes. I'll show you some material after the audio. Um, very meditative as a rapper. Um, very good at also describing his surroundings around them and taking you back to the nineties when New York was so prominent and when everyone wanted an inside look at the big apple, especially from the hip hop lens. And um just an incredible project from start to fish uh, start to finish. I believe it also scored four mics. Um once it ended up coming out from the, the source. Course. Yeah, so it was also a very prominent project back then. And funny enough, the way that I actually discovered this project, um, my my uh, my little cousin and I, we were at Oka. We, we went to Oka and we were going to go, you know, there, there's like a dispensary there. And Jeru was actually playing live. And I had no idea who Jeru was. And I didn't know that he's actually a legendary New York MC. I felt very ignorant at the time. And I was in the, I was in the, the dispensary and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is incredible. And I'm hearing like these primo scratches and you could tell a primo scratch from anywhere. And I'm like, okay, I got to pull out my Shazam. So I pull out the Shazam, but it's not picking up because he's doing all of his raps live. Incredible live performer, by the way. Um, so I was like, okay, let me go ask the bouncer. So I go ask the bouncer, tells me his name and I'm like, okay, let's go check something out. And then once I ended up going through his discography and did a bit more research on his most prominent project, this is what I found. And it was perfect for this episode because now I finally get the chance to speak about it. And you guys are going to have such a good time with this. It's incredible. Released back in May of 1994. So enjoy from me. Yeah, I know. He's definitely, uh, you know, looked upon as an underground legend. And uh, yeah, I, I got to tap in, bro. I definitely got to tap and you're gonna, in. You're gonna That's crazy. Performing at a dispensary in Oka Beach. That's insane. <laughs> I know. Like for like, mm -hmm. a, like, for like someone that's a fan of his, what a catch that must be to, it to was. find him I there. I was so stunned. I had no idea what was going on. And we were leaving for New York like the morning after. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what is this? Like, <laughs> what am I listening to? And I didn't recognize it. It's like it. a recommendation from God. Like God is like, discover this legend. Here he is. <laughs> I know. You know. And I'm only 23. So yeah. I'm still like... Learning full-blown discovery mode and that's going it. into the genre and enjoying so it was quite a treat that night that's awesome man yeah um i'm gonna take it back about 10 years 2013 stolen youth by vince staples and mac miller oh yes sir so this little gem of a mixtape between vince and mac you might be thinking oh is the two of them rapping together no it's Vince Staples on the mic and Mac Miller behind the boards. I, and I feel like... It's his Larry Fisherman. Um, it is under right? Larry Fisherman, yeah. So what's okay. your relationship with this project? Like, why do you feel like no one talks about it when they speak about Vince's best work? Let me ask you that before oh, I go I, into it. I think it. if you ask Vince fans, they will. I think, think so. so yeah. I, yeah, I think so. Well, it depends. If you're asking Vince fans maybe after, like, Summer 06, then maybe it gets a, a bit different when it comes to the answers. But... 
for the most part, it definitely is one of his best projects. And him mm-hmm. and Max chemistry throughout the entire project is incredible. Unreal. And it's just it's so cool to go through that project because the first time I did it, I went through the OG on that piff and rest in peace of that piff on my phone, man. I can't get anything anymore. But you know what? I've been using SoundCloud now. I can find everything on SoundCloud, so it's I'm very happy. It's not the same, happy. bro. It's not the same. Yeah, I know it is. Yes, it is because you could do the OG upload. So like even going back to old Mac Miller mixtapes, it's all the original samples. No, I I know that. I'm just saying like that feeling of being like on that on that piff like the the interface everything like i know i miss those days i I do miss it as well but this is your recommendation absolutely bro yeah so listen i decided to revisit this after i saw vince staples um being interviewed and he was sort of talking about his humble beginnings and how he got in touch with mac and miller i don't know if you saw this but it was super interesting when he was telling the story because um they ended up linking up randomly at a party and this was at a point where vince staples didn't really have any buzz at all. He only had one project out and no one really knew about it. And he ended up having a face-to-face with Mac Miller and Max like, I know who you are, but like, what's up with the music? Like, why aren't you making any music like that? You know, like you're, you're pretty talented from what I've heard. And Vince is like, bro, I can't find beats. Like, I'm not in touch with any producers. I don't network. Like, I stay in my crib. I don't fucking go out anywhere. Um, I, I'm literally not rapping because I can't find beats. And Mac Miller is like, well... I'm going to go home and I'm going to cook you some beats in my home studio. And he's like, you should come by to the crib. And then Vince is like, um, okay, I don't have a car though. And then Mac Miller is like, don't worry, I'll come and pick you up. So he went from LA to, um, to Long Beach to pick Vince Staples up for every day, I think for two weeks, which is how long it took them to make this album. Um, and it's just, it's a testament to how generous and pure of a soul Mac Miller was, is that he was already established at this time. Macadelic had come out. Um, he well, was, 2013 was watching movies as well. That yeah, was a major bro. break for him commercially as That's well. That's what I'm saying, is that he had already blown up after Kids and Macadelic, and here he is taking this amateur rapper under his wing and wanting to show him the ropes just for the fucks of it. So I was blown away by that, and what's cool is that Vince Staples said if it wasn't for Mac Miller, I'd be working a regular ass job. Like I didn't I didn't really have that belief in myself. So beautiful backstory to the project. They made it in two weeks. And what's cool too is that um, Vince said how he selflessly taught, um, Max selflessly taught Vince how to rap on beat. He taught him what a metronome was so that he could rhythmically um, have a nice presence on each track. So what's crazy to me is that when you listen to this project and how amazing Vince is, in terms of track presence, bar yeah, work, crazy. and everything else, you're like, wait, so he, he learned all this shit, like, right before making it? Like, Mac taught him all this. Like, that just goes to show um, how well he must have coached him through making this mixtape. Um, and, yeah, when you're going through this project, it's a fucking perfect marriage because you have Vince Staples taking you through a self-portrait like he often does, but he's super bleak about it. Like... To me, this project, when you look at the production of it as well, you're getting a lot of um, gritty beats, but you're also getting this darkness, this emptiness, a lot of children choirs as well. Yeah, it's crazy. In the music, and you're like, wow, this is like. It's the perfect soundscape. It, it sounds hopeless. It sounds hopeless, yeah, it and that plays into the message where it's like, never has music that's so. That's filled with so much misery and anguish. Feels so tangible right now yeah, to me. And even something like uh, like rain, for example, off of faces makes me feel like that. And that marriage between um, Mac Miller and Vince Staples is always so nice to observe because I do feel like Vince Staples has that quirkiness to him that's able to keep up with like Mac Miller's like weird artistry. You mm-hmm. know, like 
Mac Miller is like he's a weird artist. Like you have to really fuck with him and like get into like all of the nitpicks and everything that because that's where that's I feel like that's where the value is with Mac Miller. Yeah. Like, like you want to like you kind of want to be weirded out a bit. You want to listen to something like let's say a Rain for example or like a New Faces V two. Yeah. And just be absolutely or even or even out. a song like Heaven on this project where Mac Miller is like pretty much saying that like. When he's off the drugs, like that's heaven on earth for him. Or like a delusional Thomas sort of like Mac Miller. That shit's crazy. Like I absolutely adore that side of Mac Miller. So maybe you guys are gonna find that from Mac, but just in production form. And also project. in performances, he does some background vocals throughout. It has a couple of verses, um, which are all killer. You also have some verses from Schoolboy Q and Absol that that absolutely murder their uh, their parts. Um, Schoolboy Q definitely has the best feature on. Uh, back selling crack he sounds animated as fuck he has quotables like trying to spit bars i ain't trying to live behind them and the west side connection between schoolboy and vince staples and that song is incredible and um yeah highlight songs so many to name guns and roses one that will blow your mind vince telling you a story from three different perspectives um just talking about how people have lost their innocence because of gang life and because of their surroundings and what's cool about that song is that you'll have that creepy children's choir and you also have xylophone notes and a lot of musical elements that we think about and associate to children. And it's about yeah. losing your innocence, losing your youth. So again, they just understood the assignment at all times and they were committed to bring these tales to life through the music. So at the end of the day, if you like candid albums, if you like getting a full dose of reality where there's no sugarcoating or dancing around the harsh truths... That's what Vince brought you. Vince yeah, and Mac together I, it, brought it's you. It's definitely here. a standout mixtape for me. It really is. It's one of the best in both of their catalogs, if you want to consider it as well as a Mac Miller credit for his mixtapes. Yeah. For sure. It's definitely. Yeah, up there. I'll, I'll listen to this over Delusional Thomas like every single day. You know. Yeah, but Delusional Thomas is a fun listen. It is. It's cool. It's, it's cool a, it's for a, what it is. It's a fun listen. And, and, and there's also some Mac Miller projects that I don't think as mixtapes are as good as, as Stolen Youth. Like it's really high quality. Yeah, the chemistry is on full display yeah. over there. But okay, 2023 release. I wanted to take the time to talk about this project, Lou. I'm very surprised because you don't like this project too much. Not okay. that you don't like it, but you're not too impressed with it. And I would urge you to go back for a second listen just because I have been having a blast with this project. It was a joy to go back to it and kind of understand the motif behind Maps by Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel. So if you guys are obviously familiar with Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel, um, they released Hiding Places back in 2019. And that was a massive accomplishment for them both in the underground scene. Everyone was at awe by their chemistry and the way that they were able to link up for this very dark and gritty track list that takes you through the horrors of society. And just Billy Woods is like sort of cold-blooded flow and delivery it was just it was really well executed and people were always asking like when is the part two going to be coming up he's at this point after this project billy woods is like 12 studio albums deep so he's releasing frequently um he's constantly in the underground and at this point he is solidified so maps was a very challenging listen i'm not going to lie to you guys i mean it's not a one listen type of project it is something that's going to have to take you a lot of time to go through because 
the best way I could explain this is kind of like Billy Woods and Kenny Siegel being on this sort of long extended trip on the road and them finding their way back home thematically. And you could find that throughout the writing of the project. But musically, it's a lot softer in approach than something like Hiding Places. It almost feels like you're in a live jazz cafe with Billy Woods doing spoken word over everything. And when you go through the Benny Siegel production, um, Kenny Siegel, excuse me, you'll find these incredible jazzy productions that put you into an absolute trance. Um, some of my favorite tracks on here would have to be something like a rapper weed, even something like Blue Smoke, um, even Year Zero with Danny Brown. I'm a massive fan of that Danny Brown uh, feature as well. And it's a project that I've been giving more and more listens because... I'm being honest with you, it is surpassing Hiding Places for me at this point. Oh, wow. I it love is. Hiding Places. And, I mean, I've heard Maps about twice. I think it's a really cool project. Obviously, lyrically, it's pretty insane. But performance-wise, musically, it doesn't excite me the way that Hiding Places does. It's not does. supposed to, though. I feel like if you're into more of like that, not lo-fi hip-hop space, but just chill rap being able to throw I love, something i love chill like soulful jazzy rap but that's I what i that. get out of like this collaboration if mm. i'm being completely honest with you and it's interesting because billy woods is someone that you really have to listen to to understand the music and the motif behind the writing but for this it was just like okay let me whip this on let's say in the middle of cooking my breakfast for example putting on rapper weed in that sort of instance or i'm driving home one night and putting on certain tracks that just get me in so a nice background mood. music really to a certain extent wow, you for an album to, like this that's so like but you could use so it both substance, ways you know? but you could use it in both ways where it's extremely versatile to that point yeah. where you could use it as like the cinematic experience where you're falling in love with the writing and the sequencing of the album but you could also fall in love with all the types of different jazzy like percussions that you're getting and all the types of different instrumentals so it's definitely a recommendation for mine i swear to god it's only clicked for me as of like recent like i've gone back to it and i've really challenged myself to go into the album and find what i enjoy out of it and it is a complete album from start to finish is it a, a lock for your top 10 of the year you think right now potentially potentially, potentially. yeah is, really is it over jackman that's what we want to know because you yeah. i think you had jackman on your halfway halfway mark of the year it, list it placed at 10 yeah, so do you think that this would be above yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Absolutely. J Jackman was nice because of uh, the replayability factor and the way that it ended up going into my rotation. So that was pretty much... Yeah, there's uh, a lot of mainstream albums too. You know, that's the thing. All right, do you want to go into your next Let one? Let me go into my next one. This one is going to be Sly Mare by Young Nudie and Pierre Bourne. And this is the first collab project with another rapper that Pierre Bourne had ever put out. Obviously, he was linked with Playboy Cardi, and that's how he blew up prior to this album. But this is an interesting album because this was supposed to be the album that Pissy Pamper was going to be on before the leak and before it went absolutely viral. But um, I love this album, and honestly speaking, as well as they mesh together, Nudie and Pierre Bourne, I do feel like the showstopper is Pierre Bourne and his dynamic and um, colorful production all throughout this because of, I'll give you an example, um, on the song Long Ride, which is the intro, what Pierre Bourne will do is that he'll actually modify his voice with a vocoder and give you background harmonies that bleed into the production while giving you those classic video game-esque synth loops which sound absolutely stunning and honestly speaking young nudie lyrically is is giving you what you think he's gonna give you you know money cash hoes the, the the holy trinity of of basic rap when it comes to a writing level but it's how exciting he is on the mic when it comes to his mic presence always his crazy. mic presence also just the way that he, he has like a continuous stream where it's like he'll lock into a zone sometimes where he's using the same flow 
no matter what's no matter what part of the song you're in if it's the hook the verse the same flow will be repeated and what he does best is fill in space which is something you have to do when you're rocking a Pierre Bornby where there's so much going on and there is those sort of gaps from one sound to another. And that's something that Playboy Cardi does so well too. And yeah, Young Nudie does that here through his ad-libs, through the way that he'll echo his vocals on a song like Hot Wings. Um, and I just think that even the collaborations he has on here with Lil Uzi Vert on a song like Extendo, amazing chemistry. Even looking at what he does with 21 Savage on a song called Mr., um, He's not going to change his voice much, but on certain songs, he'll change up his flows and he'll keep things refreshing. Um, and yeah, I just, again, to, to, ta to, to sort of tip my hat to Pierre Bourne, you're getting beats unlike anywhere else in the trap world. You're getting insane synth loops, insane um, flute loops as well, um, mixed in with these strokes of hi-hats and 808s. And it's just... It's Pierre Bourne sort of creating this playground, this fun playground for Pierre, um, sorry, for Nudie to do whatever he wants. He's giving him freedom through these very video game and childlike productions. And there's bangers all across this thing. You're getting a rare the baby verse as well on this patch, which is absolutely killer. For some reason, the baby tends to do better when he's featured like he did on Under the Sun and a variety of tracks. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's just Nudie shooting and smashing his way through these dynamic Pierre Bourne beats. Um, and it's hard to get bored because it's this fast-paced trap soundscape. It's not too long. I believe it's uh, 13 or 14 tracks, 39-minute listen. And one of the most underrated trap albums of the last decade to me. Like, this is really up there and... No one brings it up. Are you familiar with it? Have I you, am familiar you spun with it? it. Yes, I have. I have gone through it. Not too often, though, but yeah. um, just a little quick Young Nudie project for you guys. I've been going through Gumbo a lot this year for 2023, and that obviously has the famous Peaches and Eggplants hit on there with 21 Savage. That's a massive one, but Passion Fruits has been my favorite um, song off of that project. So maybe a, a recommendation on top of a recommendation. So let me keep going on with this. I'm going to bring in my last studio album for today. This is one that... I want all my hip-hop nerds to go listen to. This is really for you guys. And this is going to be Deltron 3030 by Deltron 3030. Um, if you guys are not familiar with Deltron 3030, it is composed um, of three members. You have Del the Funky, you have um, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, excuse me, um, Dan the Automator, and then DJ Kid Koala. And all throughout the project, it's very interesting because I actually want to read out this kind of movie synopsis. One of the craziest synopsis. concept yeah. albums in the genre. L let me yeah. read this out for you. So it is a rap opera concept album set in a dystopian year 3030. The album story casts Dell in the role of Deltron Zero, a disillusioned mech soldier and implement, uh, implementary excuse me, computer prodigy rebelling against a 31st century New World Order in a world where evil oligarchs surpass both human rights and hip-hop. Dell fights rap battles against a series of foes becoming Galactic Rhyme Federation champion. Dell the Funky's Homo Sapiens lyrics veer from serious social commentary to humor epic sci-fi battles while producer Dan the Automator creates an eerie and dense atmosphere. I wouldn't have remembered all that. I'm being completely honest with you for the podcast. It's really, guys, like, I, it's one of, like, the craziest story concepts that you could go through. And I'm not saying this is going to be in your everyday rotation, but it is regarded as one of the best concept albums of all time. If you guys are into sort of, like, the sci-fi and 
alien-esque dystopian sort of aesthetic um this project is for you as the description of the project sort of rings off it is a very eerie listen to certain extents and you're just gonna love and nerd out over the content matter of this it clocks in at an hour and nine minutes so it is a bit of a longer listen but I don't know, maybe if you've smoked some weed and you want to trip out a bit and you want to fall in love with a track list as kind of like this movie score, if I could put it like that, this is really the album for you. And the reason why I wanted to bring this in is because I do feel like, especially for showcase of chemistry between rapper and producer, well, in this case, two producers, um, this is one of the best displays of that. All throughout, the production is absolutely sequenced perfectly. Um, you know, you have the lyrics that are perfectly written all throughout and are very concise in approach. Um, the storyline is perfectly put together. And there are sociological topics right now that maybe you guys want to think about or go over that might be able to overlap with your current every day that you guys might want to implement into your rotation. So, I don't think I did the album justice, if I'm being honest with you guys, with my little hypnosis or like what I just read off. But please, guys, give this the time of day. It is an absolute incredible listen and one of the best for this category of rapper slash producer. So, yeah, that's a big W. Go it's, ahead uh, with it. It's been uh, a fan favorite from the underground for a long time. And again, when it comes to just executing on one of the richest and most like complex concepts you could have for a record, that's. That's the place to go. There's man. very few records, in my opinion, that sound like this one. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I've listened to this album over 15 times. I'm being completely honest mm -hmm. with you. But this is sort of like the late night geek sort of thing. You know, like just get into it. Have fun with it. Get grimy with it. Um, listen to every lyric. Have genius open and just get to the reading. The education that's ringing off throughout this track list is incredible. And it was released in 2000. So I guess it's kind of cool to see the way that not that they predicted certain things, but how well the content matter is actually aging for certain, um, you know, problems that they're addressing within the track list. So enjoy, guys. Yeah, my last recommendation for today is going to be Lamb Over Rice by Action Bronson and The Alchemist. And honestly, a big complaint that I'm hearing nowadays from a lot of fans and people in the community is that a lot of new rappers or rappers that are active today lack a lot of personality. And when it comes to Action Bronson, he's someone who is brimming with the richest personality you could find and humor. Um, and no one's really listening, as they should. And I feel like when it comes to this project, obviously Action's been tight with The Alchemist for a long time. They understand each other. They know what they want. And this sort of feels like an origin story for Action Bronson, if I could put it that way, in the sense that you're getting a lot of vintage sounds from The Alchemist. You're getting a lot of old organs and you're getting um these samples like for example um for one of the later tracks on the track list you're getting an old coca-cola commercial that sampled from like 1982 for the song just the way it is and you're like what the fuck where is he where is he is that is that really what alchemist is doing is he searching up old fucking commercials from decades ago just to have material to sample and the answer is yes like this is how dedicated he is to his craft um the, the intro is amazing it's called dm tree and it's pretty much like Action Bronson rapping through this DMT trip that he's on. And he's also just, like I said, talking to you about his background, where he came from, rapping about how like he has um, immigrant grandparents that learned English by watching the TV show Martin. Like just those personal details that give you authenticity and give you a window into his life and who he is. Um, is really rewarding. So like I said, if you want a project that's short, concise, but actually gives you a good grasp of who Action is as an artist and who 
he was as a person in terms of his upbringing. This is exactly what this project's going to bring you. Highlights on here like Tearaway Shorts, um, Descendant of the Stars. Um, you're going to laugh. You're going to be amazed by his track presence and just that marriage it, again. It's a smooth listen as well. It's a very super smooth. And super smooth listen. Yeah, I feel like... Um, Jaguar music. Yeah. That's really what it is. You, yeah, I remember a couple of bars in there about Action Bronson's Jaguar. You know, it's interesting. He always likes to rap about that. But um, He has a song called Jaguar, by the way, that came out, I think, last year. Fucking amazing. Yeah, he's always doing something crazy. You're right. He does brim with personality, and that's why I love Action Bronson, and I've been listening to him for the better part of, like, 10 years now at this point, right? Like, he's really been prominent Bro, in like our he's, like, so shameless. Like, I, I think one of these songs, he literally starts off by saying, like, I tested positive for GH twice. Fuck it, we out here. Like, just the most, like, insane lines you'll find coming out of this guy because he can't be anything but himself, and I appreciate that. There's a sort of comfort when listening to Action yeah. Bronson. And that mix with Alchemist Instrumentals is always very interesting. But, okay, just before we end this off, I brought in... 10 different albums, all hip-hop, and I want you to rank them for me. Okay, okay? let's do it. Um, all rapper slash producer albums. So open up, uh, what do you want this one? Actually, Gmail? I, had a, I had a question for you after we do this, so we'll actually okay, get yeah, to yeah. that too. But so what uh, do you yeah, want, Gmail it, or Gmail? Gmail? Actually, I'll ask you right now as you send it in. Yeah, go for it. What's the best ever to you, bro? Or maybe not the no, Fuck the best ever. What's your favorite one? Your favorite rapper-producer collab favorite album? favorite rapper-producer collab album. Yep. Man, shit, that's a hard one. Off the top, uh, it's the first is, one that comes to mind. The, the one that I've listened to the most or the best? Your favorite, bro. My favorite, favorite. One that you, you probably, yeah, you spin the most, that you fuck with the most. I'd have to say it's probably Piñata at this point. Okay. I'd say it's between Piñata and 444. I, I go Daytona, Pusha, and Kanye. Yeah, it's definitely up that's there. Mine. But okay, check your, uh, check your Gmail. I sent you 10 different ones. And I want you to rank them. So, guys, you guys obviously can't see this right now, so I'll read Just them read them all, yeah, you might as well. Yeah, so I want you to rank these rapper-slash-producer albums. You have 444, you have Piñata, you have Daytona, you have Bandana, you have Mad Villainy, you have Below the Heavens, you have Bo Jackson, you have B, you have Cheat Codes and Hiding Places. I considered B a producer-slash-rapper album, even though Kanye has... 9 out of 11 productions. That's fair. Um, wow, this is a tough list to fucking rank. Holy shit, bro. You're making it seem like this is like a, a good two-second convo where I could, just, I could just rank them, but whatever. Just for fun. Um, just for jokes, let's see here. At the bottom, the very, very bottom, I'm going to go with Bo Jackson. Sorry. No. Bo Jackson all the way to the bottom. On top of that... I would go Hiding Places. We're going to go Hiding time. Places. On top of that one, we're going to go Cheat Codes. On top of that one, we're going to go with Bandana. On top of that one, we're going to go with... Ooh. That's where it starts to get dodgy. Probably 444. No. On that, top that of that in one... The list? Actually, you know what? No, I take that back. We'll, we'll put B there. Then we'll put 444. Then we'll put... um, Probably Daytona. Then we'll probably put did, I put... did I say bandana yet? Yes, you did. Okay. my Okay, I thought I forgot it. Um, then piñata. Then I would go um, below the heavens. Sorry. 444 piñata. Below the heavens, mad villainy. I, I probably even left out an album, but you, you can't expect piñata. me to do this, You didn't bro. say piñata. Well, there you go. Whatever. It, it's all botched, but the bottom line is that um, Mad Villainy, I think, is probably the best one. Yeah, here. you think that is the best display of rapper slash producer chemistry. Yeah. Because because, because nobody else could have rapped on that soundscape and pulled it off, in my opinion. Literally no other true. rapper. 
That is very true. So listen, guys, hope you enjoyed the audio experiences. An extremely fun episode to go through. Lou and I got to nerd out a bit and bring you some personal recommendations that we might have not talked about in full depth in previous recordings or whatever the case may be. So if you guys are enjoying the audio experience, as Lou mentioned um, at the beginning of the episode, give us a five-star rating. It would be uh, very generous of you guys. And Only if listen, you want. Only if you want. And we're going to be here every single Tuesday, so don't leave us hanging. Come through and say what's up. We hope you guys have been enjoying the full-length audio podcast, and we have so much cool stuff coming for you guys. So, Lou, any final words to close us out? As always, guys, much love. Thank you for listening. And bump these albums. Let us know what you think of them. Yeah, all you right? have to bump them. You got, you got to you actually to listen to them. them, all right? All right, appreciate you guys. Peace.